Hey there, uh, Cave Comedy Radio fans. Um, you're about to listen to uh, Sex and Other Human Activities. Um, my name is Bunky Houseman, and um, I wrote in and uh, got some advice from Jackie Marcus, and at first I thought it was great, and then um, I fucking lost everything. Um, so if you could uh, just know that their advice is for entertainment purposes only, you know, I lost my family, I lost my house. And, um, I lost my career, uh, which was hard to do. I was a professional gambler. I thought that would be a thing that they could help me do, and they did. Um, so if you have any questions or advice you need, just make sure you email cavecomingradio at gmail.com, ask for Marcus or Jackie, and, um, or maybe just say hello to Henry from last podcast on the list, because he needs, he needs your attention. He needs your affection. Um, so thank you, and enjoy sex and other human activities. Sometimes you get so panicked <laughs> when, when your body immediately gets filled with panic. It's like, I can't think about anything else. I know that feeling. Welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities. I'm Marcus Sparks. I'm Jackie Zabrowski, and yeah. I'm not panicked anymore. No, you're perfectly calm now. Yes, now I'm calm. Good, good. Very good indeed. As am I. That's wonderful. Yes, I've been working on being calmer lately. That's great. Getting zen. Hell yeah, man. And sometimes getting zen... It tends to piss me off more. Why? I, I don't know. It just it gets into some like I try to get calmed down, but like calming myself down makes me even. I'm sure with someone with anger problems, like trying to calm myself down makes me even more uh, stressed sometimes. Oh yeah, of course it does. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean that is also something I've been honestly trying, which I think uh, you've heard a few of my triumphs. I've been doing very good mm-hmm. with getting really mad and keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> Because I, when I get in those rages, I just say whatever I want to say, much to the detriment of my situation. And I've been trying to work on not doing that mm-hmm. and to deal with it. But the problem is then I obsess over it. Oh, yeah. That's my problem, too. Yeah. And I'm just like thinking about the things I would have said <laughs> and what I wanted to say. And now I'm trying to deal with that side of it. <laughs> so in, in turn, getting more zen and trying to not put negativity into the air, it's so poisonous but is it it's like that's the thing is it better to poison yourself or is it better to poison the people around you in your environment (laughs) and honestly i'm not quite sure i think the fact that i would rather poison myself because then i can deal with the consequences yeah you know rather than ruining someone else's day for no reason Well, sometimes I find that when you get angry at, say, a stranger, someone like that, and you hold it in and you fucking and you get inside yourself when you don't get angry with that person, when you have every right to be angry at them, when you don't get angry with them or when you don't get angry with them, then it all fucking like comes inside and it fucking rips you apart. uh, And then you end up taking it out on somebody else. Right. Or at least I try to... um relish in my triumph over it like rather than keeping the anger then like I come in here I'm like Marcus I did good today (laughs) you know I feel like it's like that's still angry it's still coming from a place of anger but I feel like at least trying to turn it into something that is positive Mm -hmm. which is very hard to do you know I I was on a bus uh, a few days ago and there was something jammed in the like thing where you put your mentor card in and I didn't know what to do I'd never seen it before so I was like gonna take it out and the bus driver was like miss do you see something in the metro card <laughs> I was like 
Yeah, I, I see something and she's like, so do you think that you're being an idiot for keeping it in there or being an idiot for taking it out? And that's what she said to me. And I just looked at her. And of course, me. I was just like. And also, I get so embarrassed when someone talks down to me that way. Because I didn't know what to do. I I, I wanted to pay for my fucking fare. I I thought that's what you do. You come in, you put it in the thing. Mm -hmm. And I just said, thank you, ma'am. Have a good day. And I sat like right next to her, like right behind her. And I just was like. <laughs> and then I got off the bus and I told everyone about it. And everyone's like, "Well, you know, if you had done anything, even like verbally, that's a felony." Yeah, against a bus officer, uh, bus driver, and I didn't even think about that because in that kind of rage, thank God I chose this week <laughs> to start doing this because my first thought was to tell her to go fuck herself and to take my fucking metro card and shove it right up her ass. <laughs> But I didn't say that. I said, thank you, ma'am. You have a nice day. That's what I said. And the thing is, is that also, in turn, I see her every morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't be mean to this woman. And also, she's probably watched a million people do that. You try to take yourself back. Mm. But then I obsessed over it. I'm like, no, she probably just watching people do this all day. Yeah. Of course, she's upset. She's early in the morning. Of course, she's upset about this. But you know what? She doesn't have a right to talk to me. Like, <laughs> and then that's what I'm thinking about. And that's what I'm obsessing about. I obsessed about it all day. I still think about it every time I see her in the morning. <laughs> and I can't get rid of it. But I also am trying so desperately not to add to the negativity. We've talked about this before. Trying to be positive. In a lot of ways in my life, I am positive. It's just when anger gets hold of me, I I have no control and there's no reason. Mm-hmm. I I it's of course it's chemically I'm chemically unbalanced. I, but I just there you have to have some self-control. Death, like and I'm grasping at it. It's so hard to do. It's so hard because I know that I have a problem. Mm-hmm. But and I know that there are a lot of ways to deal with this, and that's why, you know, we've talked about that I'm going to start therapy again. And so, like, the ways to deal with that, when that poison is inside of you, talking it out is a great way to get rid of it. It's a great, it's an amazing way to get rid of it, you know? Because if you leave it in, if you keep it in yourself, because, okay, some people, sometimes then, I, I think in some situations, conflict is needed. Right. You can't have let people walk all over you all the time, but it's not necessary all the time. And it's great that, you know, you thought you rationalized, you, you kind of have a rational explanation for it where you thought, all right, this woman has to deal with fucking people all day long. And New York City bus drivers are probably the most curmudgeonly of all yes. public workers in the entire city. Yes. Because they have to deal with crazy fucking people all day long. Uh, So you kind of just keep it in. You're like, all right, that person has no right to fucking talk to me that way. But what good is it going to do for me to get into a fight with a bus driver right now? We've all seen people get into fights with the bus driver. Time and time again, we've seen people get into fights. And it doesn't do any good. There's no reason for it. Most of the time, you just get thrown off the bus. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which I have gotten thrown off the bus before. But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. But then I feel like in my everyday, which is also something that I've been dealing with a lot lately, with personal issues, with personal work issues, with comedy issues, confrontation is something that I cannot do. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I've really been trying to desperately deal with. I'm very bad 
at looking someone in the face and saying, this is what you're doing and this is how I feel about it. Yeah, me too. In my relationship, we've worked on it. We're getting, we have grown leaps and bounds of being able to talk about that stuff. But when it comes to work things, and especially in comedy, and people that you work with that you're also friends, and saying those things, like, why can't I be direct? I can be direct to complete strangers, but I can't be direct to people that I know. It's harder to be direct with your friends than it is to be direct with your significant other or with strangers. For some reason, friends are the hardest people to be direct to. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it seems like sometimes, you know, if you are in a relationship, like it's, sometimes it seems like, you know, you kind of deal like with a lot of drama in the relationship and you deal with a lot of conflict in your relationship that you have you know no matter whose fault it is you know we're we can both be somewhat dramatic people you know we can can both introduce drama into our relationships (laughs) but we can also have drama introduced in our relationships and i think sometimes we think that you know we look at our friends as a refuge from that you know but the other part about that is that we work with a lot of our friends and sometimes work produces drama. And a lot of times work is already stressful. You know, even if out there, if you don't work with your friends, if you just go to work and you have a hard time confronting your the people at work, uh, you already have stress put on you because of work. And I think a lot of times people would rather just not deal with what's going on with that coworker or with that friend or with that person. They'd rather just let it bubble inside of them or they'd rather just deal with it in some other way, in some roundabout way. It's like, all right, well, uh, okay, so this person, you know, fucks up all the time, but you know what? I can just put in an extra hour of work a week and I can cover for that person and I don't have to fucking talk to them about it and I don't have to confront them about it because uh, it's hard to do. It's hard to confront people that you're not in an v- extremely intimate relationship with. Uh, and who knows why that is? It could be an American thing where Americans were very polite people, uh, sometimes to a fault. You know, people, it's the funny thing that I always hear uh, the stereotypes uh, about Americans uh, is that I'll hear, I've simultaneously heard that we're rude and that we're too polite. I've heard that at the exact, (laughs) I've heard that people say that in the same fucking breath. It's like, oh, you Americans, you're so rude. And it's like, you Americans, you're too polite. It's like, hold on. Fuck! Because we're rude about the wrong things. That's the thing. It's like, and we just can't. It's something about like an emotional connection with someone that like you don't want to. Break. It's like if you're fucking someone and you're dealing with all that stuff, talking about kids, talking about mar- all this, you have to like. There is no break between the two of you. You mm-hmm. are not. That I hate using the like phrase "you are one," but mm-hmm. you, you know that's something you guys have to talk about. But with a friend, there is a barrier there. And, and especially like between like, besides working with like an office space or something, someone that you work with creatively Mm -hmm. that you've known for a long time that is not pulling their weight. It's not like even something that's like, oh, but I can work extra to make up for that. You need their input. Yeah. If I'm working with someone creatively, there's a reason. It's because we work together well. And if you're not meeting me halfway, then this is something we need to talk about. But then it's like, I feel like. It's the most heartbreaking, heart-bearing conversation to say that, like, I need you 
in this, mm-hmm. especially to someone that you have a barrier with, someone you've grown apart from, that you've worked with for a long time. And the fact that you have to sit down and openly say, like, I don't like who you're becoming. Yeah. And it's just so, and this is something that I'm dealing with this week. Uh, you know, I would appreciate if anyone has any help out there. You know, advice. let me, you know, any kind of advice. I mean, of course, I'm dealing with it. We're going to talk about it. But I have to say, I've been having anxiety attacks over it. And it, and it's, it's scary. I it's weird. I don't know why, but sometimes the end or the possible end of a friendship can be more heartbreaking than the possible end of a relationship. Uh, because uh, friendships, you don't expect them to end. Right. Uh, it, with, with a relationship, you know, there's always the possibility that a relationship might end. That's the nature of relationships, you know, is that you're together. You throw yourself out there. Yeah, you throw yourself out there. You're together until you're not anymore, whether it be through death or through breaking up. Uh, and most people, I think, don't remain friends with their significant others. I'd say the majority of people don't, uh, or at least the majority of people. And if you people, can, man, more power to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The majority of people don't stay friends with all of their significant right. others. There's some that I'm friendly with, others that I'm not so friendly with. Um, but with a friendship, like you don't see any end to a friendship. You know, you don't really look into the future with a friendship. Like you don't make friends with someone and think like is there a future in this yeah like you don't yeah you don't think am i gonna get married to this person yeah. can i have kids with this person <laughs> like you don't think that with a friendship you don't ever expect it to end you know friend but friendships in all the time uh for whatever reason but most of the time friendships end just because the people drift apart uh and just kind of stop talking to each other they get into different circles or if someone will move away or, you know, they graduate from high school, move and go to different colleges or graduate from colleges and move to different towns. And you just don't see that person anymore. And that friendship just slowly fades away uh, and ends. But when there's a situation where the friendship requires a talk and when the friendship requires uh, two people to get together and to confront each other, that's really fucking hard because you never expect that to happen. And it was great, honestly, like, which I've talked about this before, my friend that was doing heroin and was highly addicted to Oxycontin, who was my best friend for most of my life when I had to have my final talk with her. And I just remember afterwards, I didn't cry, I cried everything. I didn't cry through the whole conversation, Mm -hmm. telling her I didn't want to see her anymore. I didn't want her to contact me anymore. And then afterwards, I came back to my mom's house and I got into bed and I cried for like two days straight. And my mom was just like, and I was like, I don't understand why I can't get past this. Like, I've been wanting her out of my life for such a long time. And then it happens. And it's like, and it's true. You, you grieve after a friendship ends. The same way you grieve after a relationship or a death. Mm-hmm. You go through all of the stages of grief because it is a loss. It is something that is not, it's not being fulfilled in your heart anymore. And even if for so long with her, it was like, Please get better. I I'm, I give you all this money. I do all these things. I'm here for you, and I can't help you. And even that being gone, it wasn't a relief. It just made me hurt. For like two years, I hurt. I still hurt. Yeah. And now she apparently she's doing better, which is great, and I still just can't. 
I can't do it. And and it's just, I guess that's what it is. Exactly what you said, Mark, is it's walking into ending a friendship. Mm. Even if it's like, and it's hard. And a lot of people have to do that because of, you did it because I, I think the what you did with your friend uh, from back in high school is, I think that's the reason why a lot of friendships end is because they're destructive to both people or to one person. Uh, some people, you know, we've all had those friends, uh, or I guess the type of people that we are, uh, you have that friend that you meet and you both love getting fucked up and as fucked up as possible and you can both get really fucked up yeah. and you like to do it a lot and you love hanging out with the other person and you love hanging out with that other person when you're both fucked up so that leads down a path of self-destruction and there have been friends in the past where i have had to cut ties with because we were killing each other yeah like we were dying together our addictions uh are drug our drug addictions the ones that we had together and that's sometimes so much more dangerous than doing it alone uh, because you've got a buddy there with you you've got someone else there that you're having fun with uh to tell you that it's all right and only that but someone to joke with you can joke with them how about how bad your situation is yeah you can joke about how bad your situation is you can joke about how many drugs you're doing and how much you're drinking every night uh then those relationships uh those friendships are so toxic to both people and i've had that i've had a couple of friendships like that where we both had to just sort of go our separate ways but we never really talked about it we just kind of stopped calling each other. We kind of stopped hanging out with each other uh, so much. And every once in a while, we'll comment on something on Facebook. But we both saw that that was a very destructive way to live. And maybe we should have talked about it. Maybe we should have sat down and, you know, and actually said, like, hey, either, you know, we stop getting fucked up all the time or, you know, we just kind of have to go our separate ways. But... We just ended up going our separate ways anyway. Uh, but what's hard about the situation that you're going through right now is that it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with a destructive it's relationship. It's not a toxic relationship. It's no, just it's not working not. anymore. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Which makes it almost like a, like a relationship relationship. You know, it's just, we're just not working anymore. And saying that where it's like, and exactly, it's like, I still love you and I know you still love me, but we just can't do this anymore. Yeah. Your life is going in a completely different direction than mine, uh, and they're probably not going to meet again. That sucks. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> relationships in that uh, romantic relationships in that way, friendships in that way. Uh, but sometimes you have to have that conversation. Sometimes you don't. And the ones where you have to have the conversation hurt so much more, so much fucking more. But also at the same time, you know, this is part of being an adult. Yeah. Is you, you have to deal with those things in your life because I, f I feel like even just a few years ago, it's like you would just keep on keeping on. You know, it's like, oh, well, no, we can figure this out. No, we can do this. And you prolong it and you prolong it. When it, And now it's just like, why am I unhappy? Yeah. This is a source, a huge source of my unhappiness. And I know it's a huge source of your unhappiness as well. So why not? We, we just have to get it out in the air and just deal with it and talk about it. And it sucks. But that, you know, and that's also just bit what being a responsible adult is. And yeah. it fucking sucks. <laughs> and I hate being an adult. But I also feel like I'm growing because of it. 
And it's times like this, which everyone's like, you know, if you're in a bad spot and you feel when you can feel yourself growing up, Mm -hmm. which I feel like everyone has felt, you know, and it's like, I'm 26 and I can feel myself growing up this week. Yeah. No, and it never stops either. Yeah. I'm 30. I just turned 31 and I felt that for about, I, I felt that about three weeks ago. Like, I, or actually, I really felt that on Friday because I just got made full time uh, station uh, or studio director and station manager. Here Congratulations, at Marcus. Thank you, very, thank you very much. Like, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing anything else besides radio anymore. And uh, I got told that on Friday, and it was this sudden feeling of responsibility. Like, it's like, wow, this whole thing is my responsibility now, and this is my only responsibility. I can't blame. Anything. I can't blame anyone else. I can't blame anything on like, oh, well, I had all this other stuff to do. It's it's this intense um, responsibility that I have now. And the first time I've been doing pure radio uh, in um, eight years, I've been doing nothing but. uh, And it's mind boggling to think about it. It's amazing to think about because it's something that, that I created and that I'm completely and totally responsible for. But I felt myself grow up, grow up when I got, I gained a level when I did that. Uh, and every time I gain a level, and I know you do this, I know you do the same thing and you're going through the same thing right now. Uh, is that when you gain a level, you're all the, it feels like you're at level one again. Because you're at the very bottom of, of the next level. The next level. Like you're starting, you're climbing a whole new ladder. And you're just like, God knows, what is the next level going to be? <laughs> what is it going to be? Because also it's like exactly like that is wonderful news and scary all at the same time. Mm. I feel like every level you get, it's wonderful yeah. and also terrifying because it's a whole fucking brand new continent unfolded right before your eyes. And you're just like, all right, man. I'm going to fucking Christopher Columbus the shit out of this <laughs> continent. I'm not going to kill a bunch of Indians. I'm not going to be killing willy-nilly. Peacefully, peace, peacefully, <laughs> I'm going to get through the continent. Oh, well, How about I'm Lewis and Clark in this bitch? Sure, okay. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pave the, yeah, make Let's your own path. hope I fucking meet a Sacagawea along the Oh, way. you're going to get a few Sacagaweas. <laughs> I got to fucking tell you. <laughs> uh, it'll be fun, but every time you, you gain a level, I'm sure a lot of listeners out there can uh, attest to that. If you've just graduated high school or just graduated college, or if you've finally gotten a job that, that you really enjoy, or if you've just had a kid, you start at the bottom every time. And there's all new stresses that go along with that. And the first few weeks of that time, there are going to be stresses that you didn't even think about. Like <laughs> shit, shit that you didn't even think would be possible that have suddenly popped up uh, in responsibilities that you suddenly have, uh, and you've got to get used to those again. You got to Lewis and fucking Clark that bitch. <laughs> um, Lewis and Clark and that yeah, bitch. Yeah, we all got to Lewis and Clark 2014, baby. Yeah. We're fucking doing it. Yeah, we're going to fucking do it. If you're Lewis and Clark in anything right now, fucking write us at Cave Comedy Radio at gmail.com. And if you got any questions for us, write to us at Cave Comedy Radio at gmail.com. Any sort of advice you want uh, or anything that you just want to share with us, anything at all, Cave Comedy Radio at gmail.com. Speaking of which, let's get into our emails. For all today. right. Uh, this email is a response to something that we asked for last week. We asked about um, very. 
touching documentaries, good documentaries, and uh, not necessarily, I don't know about fun, but documentaries feel that good, make, you make, feel, make you feel good. Feel good documentaries. Uh, here's one from Mark. He says, Hi, Marcus and Jackie. I love the show, and I've been listening since the beginning. I would like to recommend a documentary as requested on your most recent show. It is Searching for Sugar Man. When I watched this, it touched me so deeply, it got me quite emotional. I now live in Toronto since 2000. Yes, with that goofball embarrassment of a mayor, but I grew up in South Africa. Goofball embarrassment. This is Rob Ford. He's fucking great. But anyways, <laughs> I'm sure it'd be much different. Goofball if, if, is a good term for him, though. I mean, I don't know about embarrassment, but goofball. <laughs> oh, he is the goofy to ball. <laughs> oh, is he wonderful? If he was mayor of New York City, I would probably think differently. But from I'm the sure. outside, he's just—he's a fucking just a ball of joy. Anyway, as Mark says, I am pretty cynical, and had I not grown up with the music of Rodriguez, the uh, man who is featured in Search for Sugar Man, I would not have believed the events portrayed in the film. But I experienced it firsthand. I cannot recommend this film enough. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Mark. I have to watch this. So do uh, I. I, I. I've been li- I, honestly, I've heard his music before because of Doug. Doug really likes him a lot. Also, it's like one of those things where we just have never sat down and actually watched it. But I've heard all of those things, and I tell you, Mark, right? Uh, yeah. I'm watching it this week. You're we're watching talk it this about week? It. Yeah, you're watching it too, Marcus. All right. It's our homework, and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about how it makes it feel good. <laughs> I want to feel good. We have to feel good. We have to feel good. It's it's a week where there is many stressors to come up, uh, especially tonight, but I'm not going to get into that. Then why did I watch Blackfish on Monday? <laughs> that is the real question. I feel like it plays exactly into what we were talking about last week, is that I watched Blackfish knowing full well that I was going to get upset by it, mm-hmm. and it really did almost bring me to vomiting. I was that upset. Wow. It's a really good documentary. I've it got to watch it. It is not happy <laughs> at all. We're talking about it on page seven, but I just got to say, my mom never took us to SeaWorld because she was always against that shit. Really? Yeah. We've been to Disney 100 million times, never went to SeaWorld because my mom was fully against it. That's ah, that's actually very uh, admirable. Yeah. It's-, it's also weird because like it's not her at all, but she feels like she was a fish in another life. So. <laughs> There's that whole. Well, you know, she's got her quirks. You know, all of our mothers have their quirks. She's got all these past lives she has to deal with. Yeah, I mean, not all of us have to deal with that, but you know, some of us do, and your mother is one of them. I do want to alert that I am going to talk about it in the next few weeks. That um, Henry, as most of you know from last podcast on the left, yes, got me a um, meeting with a one of the best psychics in the world. Oh. For Christmas, and it's going to come in the next few weeks. I have to call and make an appointment, and he specializes in um, career, future, and past lives. Past life regression. Yes. Ooh. And I've had my birth chart read. I've had. I, I've done the whole thing. It's kind of what my mom's deal is. Mm-hmm. But I am very interested. And I'm going to let you guys know about it. I just want to let you know. I can't wait. This is great. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna. I think I think it's gonna take me places. <laughs> I I mean, he's the best. He's one of the best in the world. So I mean, better than that charlatan I went to on St. Mark's Place for that last podcast on the left episode, yeah, episode you can't nine, do that. Psychic Journey. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah, she just freaked me out and told me that someone I work with will betray me. Uh oh. Yeah, it's not me. I, I know it's not you. Yes, you. I know it's not. Um, it's Kissel. It's Ben Kissel. <laughs> I know that already. If, so. if, 
You know, I mean, if there's a more likely candidate, I'd like to hear. <laughs> All right, let's get to our next letter. This is, uh, she says, call her Squishy Sally. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. I just imagined like a little baby and you squish her belly and she goes, ee, and her name is Sally. <laughs> She says, this is not an emergency. All right. I need help in figuring out how to deal, not take it personally, when my husband doesn't want to have sex with me. Some background, he has depression and anxiety issues, as do I. He's tried meds before, but he doesn't like the way they make him feel, plus he couldn't come during sex. I know how that's... Yes, I we've, we've both dealt problem. with yeah, that yeah. before. <laughs> he also has a touching issue where sometimes he can't stand to be physically touched. He goes through these phases of feeling, quote, weird or off that last for days. Being a mental health professional, I'm empathetic and try to give him space and be there for him. But God damn it, I'm fucking horny. Yes, I masturbate. I've masturbated so much that I have to replace the heads on my arosolator. It doesn't help that he's so fantastic in the sack that it is him I want, not B.O.B. I know that I have an above-average sex drive, and I want it every day, usually multiple times a day. I'm almost 30, and we've been married for almost seven years. I try to not let it get to me. I can intellectualize it and know that it is not that he does doesn't find me attractive he tells me every day and often squeezes my tits and ass it has gotten to the point where i'm resenting him don't feel attractive and don't try to initiate anymore due to not wanting to get gently rejected plus i don't want him to feel pressured we do have regular dates and regular talks and i don't hound him for sex all the time i don't want to resent him or feel so dejected and sexually frustrated by the way cheating never crossed my mind i would rather do horrible things to myself than betray him in that way help squishy sally you seem great, man. Yeah, you seem fucking amazing. <laughs> you just seem fucking awesome. Uh, thank God that you you're a mental health professional. Yeah. Thank God that we have people <laughs> like you. Yeah. Thank you. I just want to just before anything, just thank you for everything that you do and being able to talk about this in such a an outright manner. And because you know exactly what's going on, and it sucks. You know, I I have been with people with low sex drives before I have an undeniable hungry as fuck <laughs> sex drive and I understand and it still fucking weirds me out that so many people it's such a constant stereotype that men want sex all the time it's a it pisses me off honestly because then and like, and I don't see like Swishy Sally. This is not obviously not coming from no, you. No, no, like, no. We're not pushing this towards you at all. No, no. It, we're just talking generally in general, in the off the the myth that people have about it. That when a woman has a healthy sex drive, then it's them that's a the problem. And honestly, I have come across more men than not that don't want sex as much as I do. And I, I'm not like. I'm not a nympho. I, I don't want it every second of the day. But yes, I want it regularly. And and I want it good. I want to have a good time. And I feel that it's an important part of a relationship, which I know that you do too. And it just, it just drives me fucking insane that like, and you know what's going on. But when I was younger, I thought that I was repulsive. And a lot of women do. And that's what just drives me fucking insane because it's like well they want sex all the time then why don't they want me i think and this is just a generalization here that there is there has to be some kind of 
influx of estrogen and deflux of testosterone in our generation. If he, I mean, I think in this generation, but also at the age that this guy is, around 30, your testosterone starts to go away a little bit. And, and but also like you've been together for a long time. I understand. I like I've been in their twenties that also didn't want it. And I think that like at this point that you might want to consider him getting testosterone. That's not a bad idea at all. And you know, I think you do have a point with the switching of hormones. Right. In men and women. There does seem to be a weird switch of hormones. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something they're putting in the chicken or the milk. Which I, mean, I, I feel does have a big thing to do with it, but also does. I do believe that the use of constant birth control in women has changed our genetic. It's changed our hormones. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel that that's a bigger reason of why women can't get pregnant and why that sex drives have are different. And I, I know that also in the past, we weren't allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now is it like in the past... 30, 40 years we were able to talk about it, but I feel like now more than ever you see it that the woman has more of a sex drive than the man. And again, I've been through it before and it's the most frustrating thing in the world because then it gets to a point where you're like, you're, then I'm not going to try anymore. Yeah. Then why am I going to try? If you don't want it, I don't want to be rejected because that is, no matter how much someone loves you and how much they tell you you're beautiful, it hurts. It always hurts. On both ways. Yes. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, that if a man gets rejected uh, when he initiates sex, it, it's not that he doesn't also get a little, no, I wouldn't even say hurt, but, you know, just somewhat like dejected, you know, just like, well, f- okay. Like it's a little bit embarrassing, I think. I think for women, it might be more of a hurt. And I think for men, it might be like a little bit more of an embarrassment. And I know I get that way. Yeah. Uh, if I take like a fucking run and jab at it uh, and I get rejected, like I kind of feel, I feel a little guilty or I feel like a little embarrassed or something like that. I mean, interesting. I I've, I've honestly never thought about that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's like guilty, embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's why a man kind of shrinks up after you get rejected. You just sort of, you shrink up because, yeah, there's guilt, there's embarrassment. You kind of sometimes, depending on, you know, how the the woman reacts to it, you know, sometimes you can be made to feel that way. Like, oh, God, you always want it. No, you're you're always, you know, on top of it. But you know what? Never say that. Yeah, yeah, you should never say that. That's a fucking, that's an awful thing to say in a relationship. Uh, But what... Also happens uh, with men and women uh, is the myth that men always want it. You know, some people, some women say like, no matter how much you try, if you might try like once a week, if the woman has a low sex drive, it might feel like you're poking a boner into her back all the time. Uh, but I think sometimes women do think that men want it all the fucking time. And I have been with girls is that if they, you know, if they try for it and, and, you know, you've come across this, if you try and the man doesn't necessarily feel in the mood or just doesn't feel like it, or is, you know, kind of tired because on the part of the male, it does take more physical, uh, activity than it does on the part of the female. Uh, you know, it's, I think women feel like, uh, you know, you feel rejected. You feel ugly. You feel like they don't find you attractive because supposedly men are supposed to want it at any time, 
all the time. And here's another thing about men that I think women don't understand is just because we have a boner doesn't mean we want to fuck. Just because we're horror doesn't mean we want to stick it in you or in anything. Or it doesn't, and it doesn't even mean that we want to masturbate. It doesn't mean that. Just sometimes you get a boner and you don't know why. And sometimes you get aroused when you don't want to be aroused. You know, I, there is a definite myth that, a huge myth that men cannot be raped by women. It is a gigantic fucking myth, and it can happen. It, and, and it is a myth because you know, like, especially if you're with someone, I know how to touch to get him hard. Yeah. Immediately. It's whether easy. Whether he wants to or not. It's easy as fuck. Yeah. And, like, that's what's scary is that people don't believe in that stuff. And, like, that's another thing that I'm not even fucking getting into <laughs> because yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, they think if you get hard, then you automatically must want to have sex. No. Uh, and it's that's blood flow. Yeah, it's it's buffo, and it's a fucking automatic reaction. And you see that in, in women, too. Is like, some women describe, like, if they're as they're being raped, they describe being wet. Some of them even sometimes reach orgasm. It's a natural reaction, it's, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it is a biological reaction. And just because that boner's there doesn't mean that the guy wants to fuck. You know, we've gotten completely off topic from our... (laughs) You know, one thing, though, that Uh, I was thinking for for Squishy Sally is that could be part of it, too. Is that, like, I I I know that you know more about the not wanting to be touched areas of, like, the anxiety issues. I can get to that in a minute. I feel like, though, that is there any way to masturbate next to him? Like any way to, you know, because that could also be it, too, where it's like an anxiety performance issue as well. If he's not into it, if he hears you masturbating next to him and you're not making it quiet, then maybe he would want to join in. Yeah. And or, or make it more about you that you're like, okay, well, if you're not going to pleasure me and you're not you don't want to right now then i'm going to do it when i want to in front of you Mm -hmm. and not that like masturbation is not the same unfortunately it really sucks that it's not the same (laughs) but maybe that would be a way to coax him into it and it's just so hard especially when you love someone that and it has nothing to do with with attraction it has to do with hormones 100 percent and that's it is a it's another chemical imbalance mm-hmm. that I think that needs to be addressed just the same way as taking an antidepressant or an antipsychotic is needed. Whether it I feel that if I were a man and I someone had this conversation with me, I would feel emasculated. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I would, too. But I feel like that. That's a natural got, reaction. Of for course. A but you guys have been together for seven years. You've tried everything and you're unhappy. And this is the only part of your relationship that you're unhappy with. And, you know, I was just reading this article in Cosmo. It's like, you don't have sex, then you're not in love. Like it was talking about marriage and it made me sick to my stomach because that's not that's not what it is. It's a big part of it, though. It is a part of it that needs to be addressed. And if you're not happy, it's been seven years and you're still dealing with it. You're starting to get frustrated. But what about 17 years? What about 27 years? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is going to become an issue even more so down the line. If you don't deal with it now and you don't, if you don't address it, it's going to get even worse. And it's not and something... And you'll start resenting them. And you will. And it's not something to feel bad about. 
And it's a hard conversation. It's not also something easy to talk to, even with a significant other. It's not an easy thing to bring up. Mm-hmm. But I just think that you really love him. And you don't even, like, uh, I'm fucking um, so happy to hear that cheating is not even an issue. Because you're right. When you really love someone, that's not like, oh, just fuck other people. And then it's fine. That That's not the answer. If yeah. that's not what you want the answer to be. Especially. Because that's an easy way out. And you're obviously not taking the easy way out. You love this man. You have to figure it out, though. I think that just trying to entice him in other ways, like laying in bed, doing everything that you can. Because there's also something auditory, which I've definitely heard from boyfriends and lovers in the past, that like when they hear you getting off... There's something that just like triggers them no matter what, no matter how much testosterone, like it mm. triggers a man. Yeah, it does. To want it. And it's like, it's not about boners. It's about psychologically triggering him. And not that you should play mind games with him, but it, 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 it I feel like that's like an animal instinct when you hear the woman that you love getting off. And I think that that would help. I fucking love it more than anything. Yeah. Like, so, like sometimes the sound is sexier than the vision. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how that works out. I don't know how that does work out, but somehow it does. I think it's, I mean, how it's a mating call for fuck's sake. That's what it is. You know, when you hear a woman making those noises, that is a literal mating call. It is a come here and fuck me. And that, I think, can arouse a man more than the vision of the woman ever could. Uh and to maybe give you a little bit of insight into him and what he's gone through is that, you know, I've, I've gone through these same things. I've gone through periods where, you know, I don't want to have sex. I, you know, don't want to masturbate. I don't really want to do anything at all. I can definitely relate with his understand or his feelings of feeling weird or off. You know, I know that completely and I, hell, I still go through that. I still have that all the time, you know, where, you know, now it usually lasts for, you know, no more than a day. Now that I've got my shit under, under control, no more than a day. Uh, and you say that he uh, doesn't like taking antidepressants because he can't come during sex. I did. I went through the exact same thing. He says it doesn't like he doesn't like the way they feel. Uh, maybe he could try a different one. You know, I don't sometimes all yes, sometimes just an SSRI across the board, all the SSRIs, uh, a lot of them have similar side effects. Uh, It's a lot of times the side effects don't necessarily change all that much from one SSRI to the next. uh, But, you know, they can work in different ways, which is why there's so many different ones. Uh, But, you know, maybe he could go to therapy for it. You know, you're a mental health professional. I'm sure you know someone. I don't know what in what capacity you're a mental health professional. You might work at a psychiatric hospital or, you know, you might be a therapist yourself. You know, we don't really know. Uh, but you could possibly send him on his way to therapy to talk to somebody about this. You know, it, it could maybe it's not, you know, if he doesn't like the medication, then therapy isn't going to hurt, right? It's absolutely not going to hurt. It does sound like there are some signs of, uh, of clinical depression here. Uh, but if he, you know, if the meds, I mean, ask yourself what's most important here. Ask yourself what compromise you can find where 
you both are at a point where you can both be satisfied and be happy. It might you might have to settle with the fact that you're just not going to get as much sex as you want. You just, that just might never happen with this man, with the man that you're with right now. I mean, a lot of people don't get as much sex as they want. Very rarely do you have two partners that have perfectly aligned sexual appetites. A lot of times people one per most of the time one person wants sex more than the other one, whether it's male and female or female to male. Uh, there's usually going to be a divide of some sort. So you may have to make peace with the fact if you want to stay with this man and if you want to be with this man, you may have to make peace with the fact that you're not going to get as much sex as you want. However, that does not give him the license to never fuck you. It does not give him the license to control the entire thing, how much sex we're going to have. It does not give him the license to control absolutely everything. He needs to meet you halfway, but you also got to meet him halfway. I think that talking I think that talking to someone would help though. Yeah. I it would understand. It would definitely. And help. also believe me, I understand not wanting to be on antidepressants. I I feel the same way. I I could never come. I didn't enjoy sex. I didn't enjoy being touched. I didn't like to feel anymore. Yeah. And and those were a few different ones that I had tried and not that that's the same for everyone. It was just what was for me. And I don't know if he's tried multiple drugs or different kinds of antidepressants and if he has it maybe he should but at the end of the day exactly it's compromise and there's compromise on so many different things and I feel like I don't want to say that it's it's the easiest of all the compromises to make on sex but it's the most carnal to go against it Mm -hmm. and it's hard as fuck but man you're already in it to win it and I feel like that you can try these things. I think that he should talk to somebody. And obviously, you're not going to leave. It's, it's not something that you're like, fuck this guy, yeah. which is amazing. Because you know that you guys can get through this. And it doesn't sound like he's fuck this either. No. I mean, he's still fucking squeezing titty and, and titty and butt. Yeah. Like, he's still there with you. It's just something that he's got to get over. Right. And that he gotta, needs to talk about. And you got to help him get over it. Uh, and you got to find someone you know, to help him as well. There needs to be some sort of outside help here. Definitely. And as much as you can compartmentalize it and intellectualize what he's doing, what's going on, he can't hear it from you only. He needs to hear it from someone else. And not only that, he... There's a lot of things he can't say to you that he could say right. to somebody. And not else. that there's anything wrong with him. There's nothing he wrong. He just has to he just want he should probably talk his shit out though. Because has he ever honestly said because you said you guys have talks, but has he ever honestly said what he really feels about the whole thing? Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to say to someone that you're in love with. Because I'm sure he feels embarrassed about all this. Yeah. And yeah. exactly what you said, where it's like the embarrassment and also the guilt of not being able to provide what you want. Because he can't. Yeah. It, it is hormones. And I think that that's something that I've also dealt with too, where it's like, it's it's hormonal. You can't force it to happen. And it's just such one of those fucking shitty levels <laughs> that you got to fucking get past. Yeah, you got to get to the next level. And then once you get there... Just start Lewis and Clark in that motherfucker. Man, you're going to Lewis and Clark the shit out of this. I think you should start seeing, you should start talking to somebody. And 
This is a Man, whole new just, journey for the two of you. You just keep on keeping on. Yeah. You're doing fucking great. I'm like completely, I want, I respect you so much. <laughs> like in reading this, it's just like, Man, you're right. You're right. I've been in that place so many times, so many times. And it's just, as someone that, like, I have a lot of self-confidence, man, nothing can deflate me the way that does. Mm. But you are right in that you, it can be changed. It can be worked on. And I feel that if anyone, you can fucking do the shit out of this Squishy Sally. <laughs> I don't like calling you Squishy Sally after that. But I appreciate the name. And I like that you asked for your own name. Absolutely. I like that too. <laughs> right, and that's it for this edition of Sex and Other Human Activities. Uh, if you have any questions, of course, kfamilyradio at gmail.com. Any comments about any advice that we gave today. And if you want to add to anything that we've said today, if you have any personal experiences that you think may help uh, the people that we've talked to on air today, Email us at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com, and we'll talk to you all next week. See you next week.